2: Monday to Friday, 7 a.m. to late
3: 30
1: a.m.
4: Good morning, listeners. You're on Thursday morning breakfast, 3CR855 a.m. It is Wednesday this... uh, Oh, my goodness. Wednesday,
0: <laughs> Priya, we've been doing Thursday breakfast for at least a year.
4: Oh, Gav's going to kill me. The audio probably just clipped when I tackled uh, into, into the mic. But uh, it is not Wednesday. <laughs> I was looking at the run sheet. Uh, it says uh, Thursday the 16th of December, and I said Wednesday the 16th. So we're off to a screaming start. Hey, it's the end of the year. It is the end of the year. Well, it's the radio year. I'm Priya, that's Rosie and Inez. Hello, year, uh, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Um, so yeah, look, clearly we're all just dragging ourselves towards the end of the year. I think that was actually the perfect intro to to get into that. Um, so yeah, how are you both doing? I'm
0: doing pretty good. I, um, I'm excited to have a sleep in next Thursday. That is what I'm excited
5: about. Yes, I'm also excited to have a sleep in um, and I have to get ready for my move. And yeah, that's all I'm just ready for.
4: I'm actually gutted that I won't be here next week
0: because you know you, you might know be I've, you might just come and hang out. Get I actually a, get a actually, coffee around the corner.
4: I will be here next week. I just won't be here on Thursday morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. I'll wake up at five in the morning and I'll sit there and I'll just I suppose I'll just I'll just give the show. uh to an audience of nobody
0: actually prayer i think what you'll do is you'll just switch on 855 5, am and listen to highlights from the year and our summer programming
4: absolutely not no i <laughs> but i do i do encourage people to uh tune in because it's not like thursday breakfast isn't going to be playing we're going to have summer programming for the next four weeks we got four
0: yeah four yeah. weeks
4: we got some amazing content lined up for you so we got some cool tracks in there too
0: Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, We've also got some interviews that Priya and um, our listeners may remember our old friend Carly from the show um, doing interviews for Disorganising, a kind of art project that we were involved in. But the interviews are really, really great around gentrification um, of the Collingwood Fitzroy area and the history of 3CR and other things. So, um, yeah, I really encourage listeners to tune into those.
4: Yeah, also Rosie did interviews. Um, but maybe we will jump into a rundown of what we've got on for today. So, um, Do you want to take it away, Rosie?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So um, we're going to replay part of City Limits' show from yesterday, where Zeb and Kevin caught up with Shane from Housing for the Aged Action Group for a final update on housing justice issues in Victoria and nationally for 2021. And you can catch City Limits on 3CR um, Wednesdays, actual Wednesdays, from 9 till 10am. And you can also listen back to their past episodes at 3cr.org.au forward slash City Limits.
4: And then after that, we're going to be joined by Ronnie Karani, who's a Canberra-based West Papuan activist, musician, and youth worker. And Ronnie's joining us to discuss the West Papuan fight for self-determination 60 years after the first raising of the Morning Star flag, and that anniversary was on the 1st of December. And Ronnie's also going to speak with us about the grand opening online of the West Papua Solidari- Solidarity Gallery, which is happening on the 20th of December. And Ronnie's a visiting fellow for West Papua Project at the University of Wollongong and the Pacific Mission for United Liberation Movement for West Papua.
5: And then we'll be joined by Kucha, who is a proud Moody Moody man, a multi award winning singer and songman, advocate, and fellow through CR Host with Vicki Roach for 20 years on the inside. join us to discuss the latest album, Circling Time, and it's filled with soulful melodies and stories, and tickets to Kutcher's show at the Brunswick Ballroom this Friday, the 17th of December, which is tomorrow, are still available through Bosch Tix, and I'm sure it'll be a show you won't want to miss. Yeah, Kutcher Edwards, what a legend.
4: Absolute legend.
0: Um, And then finally, we'll be speaking with Dylan O'Hara from Victoria's Pierce sex worker organisation Vixen Collective joining us to discuss the rally for International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. And that rally is also happening tomorrow at 4 p.m. So you could just go from the rally outside the State Library straight to Kutcher's show and have a really, really good Friday night.
4: Exactly. We've sorted your weekend for you. Stay COVID safe, uh, everyone. Just make sure that you're getting tested, you're sanitizing, uh, you know, getting your boosters if you're eligible. I think it's been brought down from six to five months. So check in about that. And um, yeah, your weekend is sorted.
5: In Headlines this week, a controversial New Heritage Bill was passed in WA this week, despite grave concern from First Nations land councils and legal experts who have been blocked out of the drafting process. The new law was introduced after Rio Tinto destroyed a 46,000-year-old cultural site at Yukon Gorge, but the submission of the bill drew anger due to the lack of consultation with First Nations people. Under the new law, traditional owners do not have veto rights over the destruction of their sacred sites and the likes of Rio Tinto can retain past exemptions that allowed them to destroy sacred sites with ministerial permission. In Queensland, six environmental activists who recently successfully interrupted Adani's Carmichael mine operations face court in Bowen this week. The activists face fines of up to $2,000 and prosecutors are applying to cancel the driver's license of an activist with no prior criminal record. Adani has campaigned in recent weeks for harsher sentencing for activists, campaigning which activist groups have called out of touch and hypocritical, given Adani's repeated breaches of environmental obligations. In other news, Victorian government-owned logging agency VicForest have been referred to the state's anti-corruption watchdog following allegations of systemic illegal logging and using taxpayer funds to spy on conservationists. Complaints detailing corruption by Vic Forest Regulator and the Forest Regulation Unit in the Department of Environmental, Land, Water and Planning have also been submitted. Also, in Victoria this week, Victoria Police have announced an increased presence in schools via the new schools engagement model. In a vague statement that does not mention links to qualified and trusted school or community workers and counsellors, VicBall describes engaging with students on issues such as family violence and bullying. Advocates, such as the Police Accountability Project, are calling the program out as flawed and outmoded, saying there is little to no evidence to suggest similar programs in past have been successful, and that studies suggest that police in schools can increase risk of criminalisation of students. Please keep police out of our schools. (laughs) And finally, new data shows half of all young people in Australian prisons are Indigenous, despite First Nations children making up just 6% of the population. Two-thirds of those in prison are yet to be sentenced, which is just so disappointing. And with the federal government so far only committing to raise the age of criminal responsibility from 10 to 12, advocates continue to campaign to increase this to 14, which would see almost 500 children in youth detention facilities each year. Uh, and if you do have the capacity, please do <laughs> please do look up Raise the Age. Uh, yep, and those are the headlines this week. Thank you.
4: I just want to explain that little uh, little bit of uh, DJing from Rosie in the background. Um, oh,
0: sorry, everybody. I've been sneaking around trying to get the music sorted, and then I got it sorted, a little too sorted, some might say.
4: Incredibly sorted. Look, you know, it is our last live show of the year, uh, just reminding people that we will have summer programming ongoing for the four weeks that we are away. So you'll be able to have very smooth and easy listening for at least the next four weeks until we're back. So I, I highly encourage people to tune in for that. But Rosie, yeah. Well. So,
0: so now we're going to go to a track, surprisingly, and this one is called "Less Talk" by Calypso.
8: Mm-hmm.
4: Less Talk by Calypso, and you're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM. And now we're going to go into a replay of part of City Limits' show yesterday, where Zeb and Kevin caught up with Shane from Housing for the Aged Action Group for a final update on housing justice issues in Victoria and nationally for 2021. And just a reminder that you can catch City Limits on 3CR 855 a.m. or stream online on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and listen back to past episodes at 3cr.org.au forward slash City Limits.
2: Alrighty, back on City Limits on 3CR, and now we've got Shane McGrath on the line from Housing for the Age Action Group uh, to talk about what's been going on there. Hi, Shane, how are you doing?
9: Uh, good, thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, no worries. Um, so, we should also have Kevin still on the line. Are you there, Kevin?
10: <laughs> yes, I'm still here.
2: You? <laughs> it <Everything's laughs> all wor-
10: works perfectly. Um,
1: okay, yeah.
2: Splendid. Yeah, so, well. Shane, I've been off housing months um, for a while now. Mm. Uh, so, what's the latest update with you guys?
9: Um, look, I, I guess there probably hasn't been a lot of news in housing in the last few months. Uh, public housing continues to be, you know, massively underinvested. Uh The waiting lists continue to blow out. Um, you know, the biggest HAG news is probably that we had our volunteers Christmas lunch last week, which was pretty nice, but maybe not what your listeners want to hear about.
2: Aw, it sounds lovely. <laughs> it was
9: lovely. I mean, if you want to get involved with HAG uh, next year,
2: listeners. The um, the the volunteers Christmas will be there. Um, Hag has very good uh, snacks and spreads as we've talked about on the show before. Yes, and we'll put links to uh, where you can find people on 3cr.org forward slash city limits. So listeners go there if you want to join that.
10: (laughs) I might in fact make myself a volunteer as a volunteer sometime around December next year. Yeah, I mean the timing sounds right. Yeah, that's right. Perfect.
2: (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, the other thing is uh, this is going to be our last show for the year. So I guess we could kind of try and do a little bit of a wrap-up and also a thank you for coming on um, and bearing with us with a lot of different twists and turns and last-minute asking you to come on and all of those things.
9: Always happy to be here. I mean, I, I think the big story of the year for us, uh, again, was co- the way COVID affected housing and specifically for us older people's housing. Um, last year, while we were critical of a lot of the aspects of the government's response to COVID as it intersected with housing justice, this year there's nothing to say about it. This year the government did not respond to COVID as a, as a housing issue. Mm-hmm. You know, The eviction moratorium ended... Uh, new protections were, were not introduced or, uh, you know, new protections for, for people who fell into rent arrears due to COVID and things like that. Uh, the tribunal decided that it was okay, that it was lawful to evict someone for arrears that they accrued during the eviction moratorium. Uh, the Supreme Court did reverse that decision, but only just in time to be too late to actually really <laughs> help anyone.
1: Right. Um,
9: so I think just a, a, a series of failures, you know, the, the absence of things like the, uh, oh, sorry, there a big bang. Um, the absence of things like the COVID supplement for unemployment benefits uh, also really hurt older workers this year and made it harder to sustain housing in a lot of cases.
10: Yeah, in fact, there's been a number of stories about the fact that the COVID supplement and, and taking that money off people uh, made the big difference in being able to afford to rent a house and being absolutely unable to afford and, and Virtually being out on the street, it's um, it's a major problem.
9: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the low rates of welfare in this country are just criminal, really. Yeah, and you know the best the opposition has to say about it is that you shouldn't call the pension welfare, as if welfare is a dirty word. Yeah, it's just hopeless. Sorry, sorry for the despairing note in our year-end wrap-up, but it wouldn't be housing week otherwise.
10: <laughs> <laughs> we've got to we've got to go out on a, on a note which makes people feel really really good as usual. <laughs> um, but uh, I noticed that uh, in announcing a, 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 a building. Um, a number of places for for homeless women, which is a good good project. But the the minister, Wynne, talked about in, in wonderful terms about everyone's right to housing and everyone should have a right to a roof over their head. But apart from the statement, they they're not doing a lot about it, are they?
9: Yeah, no. I mean, it's a motherhood statement, isn't it? The uh, the Labor government consistently failed to to produce public housing in any meaningful sort of quantity or supply. Um, they've closed a bunch of estates. Also, they're, re- cl- they're redeveloping, um, you know, with, with massive uh, boons to, public, to private investors. The uh, the government, the state government's record on public housing is dismal. As uh, of course, the state opposition.
2: So I guess the the other thing that we can talk about is, I don't know if you can sort of look into an imaginary crystal ball or if you have <laughs> any ideas uh, on, on this kind of area. But do you have any predictions for like how things are going to go next year, e- either COVID related or just like what the general trend is probably going to be?
9: Well, look, I, I mean, I think that the, the bosses and landlords will continue to try and push people into to homelessness and poverty. But I think, you know, I probably said the same thing last and maybe even the year before. Mm-hmm. But I think there, there are really encouraging signs that housing justice is becoming a political issue, that, you know, organisations like, uh, you know, Friends of Public Housing, the Renters and Housing Union uh, are doing really good work in putting these issues on the agenda, campaigning around them, organising around them. And mobilising people to demand something different. You know, I think we have left the era when politicians could pretty much ignore rental housing because nobody nobody cared about enough to vote on it. Uh, housing, the housing crisis is at the front and centre of our politics now, uh, in a really big way. This sticks with other, like, crucial uh, unavoidable issues like climate change, um, mm-hmm. which really, you know is going to pile up with with housing issues more and more in the years to come. Um, there was a pretty great article in the Guardian recently about uh, the sort of outer suburbs of Melbourne that we're seeing more and more. That that's where the quote-unquote affordable housing is—the the housing that people can afford to rent. But once they get there, there's no infrastructure. Uh, the environmental effects of that suburb very, very, very poor. Um, you know, the the costs associated with living there and having to commute to get to any sort of you know services or shops or workplaces or anything. Uh, eats up the supposed tasing in the quote unquote affordable housing.
2: So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and it's one of all those. Of these issues. Yeah, one of those cyclical things where, when the developments do start coming in in that area, then it just sparks gentrification and then pushes the the housing prices go up and then it just mm-hmm. gets like wider and wider, right? Yeah.
9: And uh, we all just keep getting pushed back and forth around the southern until... <laughs> I don't know what until... Until we well, rise up and take it back.
2: Yeah.
10: Interestingly enough, um, with with the difficulty of people getting... Uh, being able to afford housing now, and particularly they keep saying it's, it's the young and, um, young and the poor, as if it, it's a real surprise that they're the ones who are having most trouble getting into housing. But this has led to a boom in what's been called build-to-rent, as you know, um, Shane, and I noticed that Macquarie Bank, which is one of the biggest banks in the world, let alone Australia, um, has said it's going to, going to invest um, $500 million in the next few years and it's going to build 4,000 build-to-rent build units, none of which will be affordable, of course, for anyone mm-hmm. on a, even a reasonable income. But it's interesting that a private company can come up with 4,000 units over a couple of years when a government should be doing the same thing in terms of providing public housing.
9: Yeah, I mean, there was a really great uh, article up on the Overland website that I would really recommend to people who are interested in these issues. Uh, It's called Vulture Landlords and the Justice Washing of Housing Struggle. (laughs) a great title. um, Mm. By David Kelly, Kate Shaw and Libby Porter, who we've had on our radio show a few times. Yep. Um, And it's kind of a great case study of the history of of activist groups in St Kilda when that was a working-class suburb, Uh, the way they pushed for housing justice, the way that the the organisations they built have you know, gr- gradually become sort of co-opted, if I can put it like that, and are now, you know, more or less money laundering for big corporations uh, in these build to rent schemes. So I think it, it is a really great article with lots of colourful detail uh, if you want to check that out. Well,
10: we'll follow up because we're actually showing how organised we are. We're planning to have Kate Shaw on, the next housing program, the first housing program next year. No, um, she was supposed to come on last week, but I got crook and we couldn't, didn't have it, so we've put it off till right. next year now. But uh, so Kate and Kate, of course, was heavily involved in Save St Kilda in its original days. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And, and at housing for the aged, I mean, you've, you've got to have breaks yourself. But over the break, I mean, people can get into trouble with housing issues. Is there, is there some sort of service available to people over the
9: break if they need it? Uh, yeah, so I think that there'll be like a skeleton staff on it HAG over the break, um, so people can still call us and get in touch if they need to. Um, I think that's probably the case at most of the the housing services that are around.
10: Good, and so they can call that that regular HAG number.
9: Ah, uh, yep. I, I believe I don't want to commit to this because I'm honestly not sure.
1: But I think that's
9: true. <laughs> no, no, yes. <laughs> well, the re- if, if you call the had number, we'll at least have another number on on the message bank that you can call back if you need urgent assistance. But I, I think someone will get back to you, but I can't promise.
10: Yeah. All right. Uh, just another issue that's been raised. The Grattan Institute's raised the idea of we need extra money and extra staff um, for the live at home program that the government has the home care, and they say the waiting times need to be much shorter uh, and there need to be more funds and, and, and better, and, and staff need to be better, better paid and better treated. Um, your comment on that, and are people having to wait inordinately long times to get, get programs for themselves? Yeah, I think
9: in a lot of cases that is really true. Uh, I, I think to an extent it depends on where you live, like lots of other kinds of infrastructure. But yeah, the, the, the waiting times can be really exorbitant and, and and push people into premature sort of residential care um, that they wouldn't otherwise need.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, sort of related to that, uh, I heard a story a while back, I think it was actually um, a sort of UK story, that someone had um, got their mother aged into an aged care service but in Thailand because it was cheaper than finding a place in the UK And apparently it's a thing that there's, like, um, outsourcing of aged care to other countries. And I I wonder whether that was happening at all in Australia?
9: Um, You're right. I mean, I I haven't really heard of anything like that happening here. We we still have a a somewhat functional, like, public aged care system, um, you know, which we did see uh, back in the early days of the Victorian uh, COVID pandemic last year. When mm-hmm. private, uh, private residential aged care was, was just this like, you know, what do you call it, like
8: yeah. massive
9: outbreaks happening everywhere, uh, very poor standards for health and safety, whereas the state run, uh, residential care facilities were doing much better. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, we're, we're lucky to have a, a still somewhat functional residential care sector.
2: Yeah, well, on that, that's that's partly thanks to activism and and work from people like you. Um, so we need to go soon, but I just want to thank you again um, for what you're doing and also coming on the show and looking forward to talking again next year.
9: All right, well, thanks very much. It's been great coming on here, getting to have my little rant every month or so. <laughs> and,
2: and
9: Yeah, I look forward to it next year as well. Okay, Shane, look,
10: thanks for all your help. It's been a wonderful year. Thanks, Shane.
9: All right.
4: Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. You're on Thursday morning breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM, and it is 727 in the morning. You just heard part of City Limits' show from yesterday, so that's Wednesday the 15th of December, where Zeb and Kevin caught up with Shane from Housing for the Aged Action Group for a final update on housing justice issues in Victoria and nationally for 2021. And just a reminder, you can catch City Limits on 3CR 855 AM, the station you are listening to right now, from Wednesdays 9 to 10 AM, and listen back to past episodes at 3cr.org.au forward slash City Limits. I think we're going to go to another track now. So, I mean, if you have not already heard, Barka has put out her amazing, uh, I think it's her first album, Black Matriarchy. And here is the title track. Mm-hmm.
7: My black mind, I'm from a dream time, I go back They committed genocide through my tracks They raped our mothers less than my black They bought the violence when they attacked I ain't here to start trouble, I'm just here to state facts You can't paint me how you want to paint cracks And I'm tied to my mob, got my mob on my back <sighs> retires are covered in blood Whitewashing our history to cover it up Proofs is all in the pudding Cause this nation couldn't give a fuck about us We survive unseated undivided Our people stay fighting cause the flame is ignited We stay righteous, we cannot be silent. Cause silence is violence, the reason we're divided And they choose not to digest the truth Instead they just go ahead and delude our youth I the system cause it just suits you Give a fuck about the law, yeah, I'd rather cross Black to the bone, back to the busy Mob on my back, yeah, they all rock with me Barker in my blood, that river flow through me I'm matriarchy, your bloodline, 120 This for the black matriarchs This for my sisters who lived in the dark This for my sisters who carry our past on their shoulders This is for black matriarchs This is for all of our women This is for all of our children Couldn't care less about the monarch I'm to set fire to the kingdom, I'm coming for them More hail to black matriarchs i'm the pain and the proof the history that lays out the truth and they couldn't walk a mile in our shoes tell us to go bush when they all introduce Fuck it we've been here for too long matriarchy blood yeah i've been built strong song lines deep yeah got me singing songs because i can't forget where i came from archangry country mongo man Pass it to my kids tell them it's your land i came from the dirt go back in red sand there's a river uncle i'm proud of who i am creator creator, me tough and I'm calling out all your bluffs. Saying the past is all in the past. Well, that dark past still lives in my mouth radical, I know the truth Couldn't kill my ancestors, I'm proof I know I still got some screws loose But my third eye's open and I'm looking right through Looking at you, my uncle right here Gonna do what I do, so my little black sins Ain't going to prove shit to you Now you sent me, gone bud, what do you? sent me, hold it down for you This for the black matriarchs This for my sisters who lived in the dark This for my sisters who carry our past on their shoulders This is for black matriarchs This is for all of our women This is for all of our children Couldn't care less about the monarch. I'ma set fire to the kingdom, I'm coming for them More help black man You know, I have a culture I am a cultured person Don't try and suppress me And don't call me a problem I have never left my
6: country I am not a problem
4: You're on Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM, and that was Black Matriarchy, the title track of Barka's new album. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Absolutely incredible, and so many bangers, and also an encouragement to people to watch the music video for Black Matriarchy, which is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, now we're going to go into an interview with Ronnie Karenni, who's a Canberra-based West Papuan activist, musician, and a youth worker. And Ronnie's joining us to discuss the West Papuan fight for self-determination 60 years after the first raising of the Morning Star flag, and to speak about the grand opening online of the West Papua Solidari- Solidarity Gallery on the 20th of December. And Ronnie's a visiting fellow for the West Papua Project at the University of Wollongong and the Pacific Mission for United Liberation Movement for West Papua. Papua. Ronnie, thanks so much for joining us.
3: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me as well on the show, and thanks for the introduction.
4: Yeah, of course. Uh, so I was wondering, if, could we start with some of your reflections on the 60th anniversary of the raising of the Morning Star flag, which was on the 1st of December 2021, both in so-called Australia and also across West Papua?
3: Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, at This year, 2021, is a significant year for West Papua, and as you already, um, highlighted the 60th anniversary of the first raising of the West Papua's uh, symbol of independence, the Morning Star flag. And, um, basically over the years with that national flag, the history behind it is prior to the raising of that Morning Star flag, um, the colonizer, uh, uh, the Dutch have already prepared a roadmap for West Papuans to achieve full freedom and by registering the uh, West Papua as a non-governing self territory um, ten years prior uh, and already fulfilling the administrative role for that transition or the decolonization process and so um, it culminated in the year in this sixty one um, first in April by calling for the uh, leaders, uh, the Papuan leaders, to prepare that. And it was between that 61, earlier in 61, when there's already information or intel coming through that uh, the Indonesia was trying to sabotage that plan or that process of decolonization, and so Many events were taking place not only in West Papua but in Indonesia but also uh, globally um as well um, with the death of um, the u n secretary general the uh, the and with the um period where Indonesia um, removed itself from the u n membership and also we hear about that um, uh killing of over a million people uh, that the state at the time perceived as to be uh, falling into the the communists. And so all these factors came into play and that gives the legitimacy for Indonesia to expand and brutally uh, plan to occupy West Papua. So as, as that meant coming through, uh, the leaders of the movement or West Papuan leaders under the, what they call it, the, uh, uh, the New Guinea Council, and they formed the Legislative Council. So they quickly moved into uh, doing a manifesto, manifesto prepare manifesto, and Australia, New Zealand were right behind that process to support. Um, so the manifesto happens in October and then the Dutch accepted that. And so on the 1st of December allowed the Papuans to raise that Morning star flag alongside and also with the uh, the National Lantern. And so that's leading up to that the yeah, 1st of December. So for Papuans, um, this symbol of independence remains uh, very strongly in our view that the West Papuans did not have that uh, fair say or to choose the future that we want to live. Um, and so... 19 days after flag was raised, um, the 3 operation, which part of this um, uh, opening of the exhibition also kind of like reflects about the celebration on the 1st of December, but in day, it tells the story of the ethnocide, the ecocide, mm-hmm. um, genocide, that now Papuan, 60 years now, um, Papuans are facing. Thank you.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, I think... Um, I was sort of just listening and reflecting on, on what you're saying, and um, I think it's important uh, for listeners to remember, uh, one, that, you know, this has been, uh, you know, West Papuan self-determination is something that, of course, began uh, prior to 60 years ago, but it's also something that's being actively fought for and also uh, resisted by the Indonesian government. And, um, in light of this ongoing fight for self-determination and freedom from occupation, I also wanted to ask, uh, there's a current Stand with West Papua open letter. And I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about the demands that are outlined in that letter, which, um, as you've touched on a little, covers issues including political freedom, human rights, uh, but also climate change in the wake of COP26 and also internal displacement within West Papua
3: yeah thank you um certainly with this um open letter it's also part of the the lead up to the first december um this year and it's great to see that um as the solidarity goes on uh this open letter have reached out to many of the um the civil society leaders community based um leaders um, range of political um union faith based organizations have signed to this Statement to demonstrate support of the the struggle for the indigenous people of West Papua, Um, and this is a call to the Australian government, um, uh, which basically one of the big factor, one of the big um, uh, push that Australian government at this stage uh, silence on human rights situation in West Papua is the part of the Lombok Treaty, and so the call for. Uh, that uh, Lombok treaty to to be for the government to 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 reconsider mm-hmm. certainly in terms of um, its current standing um, given that part of this treaty has allowed the uh, increased defense cooperation has allowed um, um, aid to be funded like particularly the training of the uh, Indonesian notorious. Um, uh, security forces, the TNI, the military and the, the police, uh, which are using those, um, training and funds to, to, to oppress the peaceful activists in, in West Papua. And there are many cases that has connect, uh, training has been misused or abused, uh, by the Indonesian mm-hmm. security forces. And, and also to call on the end of this, um, the Australia's military training of the, the Indonesian security forces, and as well as as you highlighted in terms of um, the impacts of climate change in the Pacific and uh, West Papua, Papua New Guinea, the island of New Guinea itself uh, presents the world's uh, third largest rainforest, um, and for the Pacific it's the, it's, it's the largest um, uh, rainforest in this, in this region, and it serves as the, the, that lung um, in this region and mm-hmm. so um, to save uh, this changing climate, it's also important to look at the, um, to say, take that this, the island, the land and the people and the connection of the people with the land. And so that's one of the focus that, um, was brought up at the, um, this year's Glasgow, uh, uh meeting, uh, which the, upon leaders through Benny Wanda, um, launched the Green State Vision. And so that is also of critical importance, um, within this region. And, one of the other calls as well is to um, provide humanitarian aid um, into the region, as we know um, since 2018 up until now, there is already local authorities have declared that over fifty thousand internally displaced Papuan refugees, and they already picked the box under the UN uh, definition of IDP, and yet, nation government at this stage don't want to declare that or don't want to make any statement around that. And keeping that narrative of, no, this is just an, um, a domestic issue. And so there has not been any um, intervention. There has not been any support provided by local humani- uh, humanitarian organizations, or even in Indonesia, cannot even, outside of Papua, cannot visit the region um, and even local provincial governments are limited to access those places right now that is, um, a red spot or hotspots of military operations. Mm-hmm. So it's right across from West Papua, from the east, western part of the island, Sorong, Maibrat. There is well over, like document, like reports of well over, 5,000 internally displaced uh, Papua. main, most of them are women and children. And then, coming across to the central highlands in Yahukimo, Kimo, um, in Tanjaya, Ilaga, in, and then all the way to near the border in PNG, the inland, um, the Star Mountain. And this has forced many hundreds of cross over to Papua New Guinea. So this is a humanitarian crisis that the Indonesian government um, keeping silent silence on, on this um, uh, horrendous situation. Yeah. And so that's pretty much the call on that
4: open letter. Yeah, I mean, and it really does highlight the sort of um, level of involvement that the Australian government does have in these issues, but also the responsibilities that the Australian government has to, um, you know, to both, you know, divest from these, you know, from training military forces, but to call for, uh, you know, United Nations attention on some of these concerns as well. Um I also thought um, because, you know, on the issue of climate change, there is currently a campaign to save the Upper Sepik River Basin in uh, in Papua New Guinea because uh, there is currently a proposal for a massive copper and gold mining project on the Frida River. And since you've mentioned, you know, the significance of the rainforest in Papua, can you tell us a little bit about about that as well?
3: Yeah, it is, it is, um, in Sipik River, it's one of the largest, um, river and longest, well, longest and largest, um, rivers that can be found in one of, you know, around the world, but they uh, are this, particularly in Sipik River, the livelihoods of the local people, um, along the river banks. And that is where the most, um, uh, like in terms of survival and the livelihoods is depending on the, the river. As well as, um, just, uh, for forgotten and basically everyday life. And so the, the, in, in Sipik River, I grew up in WeWek, um, pretty much, or, yeah, nearly my ch- childhood up to, um, teenage mm. Um, so, uh, it's really connected to home as well. And, and so their campaign, especially now that is happening, um, in, in up north of um, New Guinea, in work, it is an important um, campaign um, that we don't want this, um, a repeat of this happens to the Fly River, which is the Octadi mine, which the tailing and the dumping of all those, um, the extraction will go down and impact that river and the, you know, life under the river and also the people will be impacted terribly. Mm. And we've seen, this as well in, you know, in West Papua with the Freeport McMoran way, the, the dumping of the stain down the river and it dries up the river. And so the environmental destruction, the loss of habitat and um, the livelihoods of people is is really um, critical. And so please people, you know, I encourage people to jump on this campaign. Um, check out and read more about this uh, the Frida um, River Copper and Gold project that is taking place in PNG. Uh, it, there hasn't been a lot coming out, um, but the campaign is growing, and so we're calling for a lot of our um, uh, solidarity partners and networks within the, the environmental spaces to keep on um, sharing this information about uh, the Frida um, campaign, the Frida River mm-hmm. campaign. Um, that the local people are advocating to to call for a stop on this, and this also leads into um, this other big campaign, um, the deep sea mining, um, in the region as well. Not only in, near in PNG the Bismarck Sea um, there, but it's happening right across. And and so there is this exploration that um, go, happening, and so uh, the Pacific communities through the CSOs, the grassroots movement are also calling to. Uh, put a stop on the and on the deep sea mining that is now uh, being pursued, as well as by many of the big um, um, companies, um, which it will have a massive impact in the ocean, um, and also for the Pacific Island uh, people and the community where you know fishing, um, depending on the ocean, uh, like we do fishing survival, it's also with the ocean, and so that is also a big campaign that is being pushed forward as well. Um, to protect our sea and land and mm-hmm. air um, against this, and we you know of the changing um, climate as well. So,
4: yeah. yeah, yeah. No, thank you for for taking us through that. And and people can find out more by looking uh, looking up Save the Upper Pacific River Basin. Um, which is, I guess, like there's an online campaign, you can send letters to your elected representatives, but also, um, you know, also to you know, various people who have a stake in, in the issue. Um, I was also uh, wondering if we could turn to talking about the West Papua Solidari- Solidarity Gallery, which um, is going to have its grand opening on International Human Solidarity Day, which is the 20th of December. So before we wrap up, can you tell us a little bit about the gallery and the launch event and how it's approaching this question of what solidarity with the silenced looks and feels like? Yes, uh,
3: what the solidarity um Looks, yeah, in silence looks and feels like, and this reflects in terms of some of the amazing painting, um, or that, uh, that artists from Papua are painting, and after viewing and observing that, uh, I, it, it reflects the reality where Papuans are uh, toughness in our own land, and are silenced when issues, like what I highlighted in terms of in- internally displaced Papuans, where it's over, um, Fifty thousand, and yet, and even in terms of just um, exercising the uh, freedom of expression, um, you, know, you know, assembly, um, peaceful demonstration, it's, it's there's no room, and you know, even the word democracy doesn't exist in in West Papua. It's just a word, but it doesn't exist, and so um, this exhibition really reflects on um, the realities of what's happening in West Papua. And um, it also kind of like t- uh, show, tell a narrative of how we get here and the impacts of that is the genocide, the genocide, the ecocide that is happening, and it's happening now as well. Even, for example, the case of um, Victor Yaino mm. uh, and many other prominent leaders right now in West Papua cannot organize peaceful demonstrations, cannot even just. Meet and talk, they're followed. One was far from prominent leaders followed by a minimum of five Indonesian intel in operatives. And that's, that's, the, that's what's happening. And so on the first of December, we didn't see a lot of, um, um mass demonstrations happening.
1: Mm. So
3: this exhibition or the opening is telling that story and, and the solidarity that comes with it is where there, in, uh, international artists or contributing artists from around the world are also painting the the version of what they observe um, by looking into like the situation in West Papua. So it tells that story of that uh, how it's, that killing the silence, the, the in silence of the way um, they see in terms of the issue of West Papua, um, an isolated issue, neglected issue, and so they're telling the story through this painting. So it's going to be an amazing. Opening to all the art, artworks that are going to be exhibited.
4: Yeah, awesome! And look, we're going to have to wrap up now. But can you tell listeners where they can uh, where they can find uh, how to get tickets for that launch? And we'll also uh, make sure to put that link in show notes and also the link to the open letter. But where can people get links to that? Sorry, where can people get tickets yes. to the launch?
3: Yeah, So the ticket, it's 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 there's options. It's free, uh, but also by contribution or donation um there's amount being put there and basically uh people can go to the Merdeka uh network solidar- uh, yeah the Merdeka um, Solidarity Network um, website and it's a link called uh I think it's humanity um, slash WP Sol so West Pop Solidarity Gallery. Um, or even check it out on our um, the Merdeka sec- uh, Secretariat Facebook, uh, Twitter, and and more information to register into that. Uh, we aim to also uh, uh, do a live streaming as well, mostly to the popcorn, but people can register through Humanetics, and the website is the Merdeka Network support, and and also for the open letter, it's you know we encourage people to keep on signing um, the open letter. And we aim to get as many and present that back to the the, the Parliament. So working with some of the members of the Parliament to address that.
4: Yeah, brilliant. Well, we'll have links to that in the show notes for everyone who's listening right now. And Ronnie, thank you so much for taking the time and you know wishing you well for for the launch.
3: Thank you very much, and thanks for having me on this um, uh, conversation.
4: All right. And that was a conversation with Ronnie Kearney, who is a Canberra-based West Papuan activist, musician and youth worker who's joining us to discuss the West Papuan fight for self-determination 60 years after the first raising of the Star flag and to speak about the grand opening online of the West Papua Solidarity Gallery on the 20th of December. And Ronnie is a visiting fellow for West Papua Project at the University of Wollongong and the Pacific Mission for United Liberation Movement for West Papua. Papua. Now, are we going to head into a track, Inez?
5: Yes, we are. We are going to play a track from Kucha Edwards' album called Circling Time, and this is one of my favourites of the album called The More Things Change.
7: Black Man, Proud Black Man, you should not wonder.
9: Strong Spirit, First Nations issues, families,
6: people and stories from a First Nations perspective. Mondays at 1pm on 3CR. Proud
7: Black Man,
5: Proud Black Man, you should not wonder. That was... The More Things Change on Circling Time by Kucha Edwards. And just while we're interviewing them today, um, Kucha Edwards is a proud Moody Moody man, a multi award winning singer and songman, and a dedicated advocate for First Nations people. Additionally, he's a fellow 3CR host with Vicky Roach of 20 Years on the Inside, a podcast series reflecting on 20 years of the Beyond the Bars prison radio podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Kucha. Good morning. Good morning. Um, you're actually my very my very first live interview, um, so I'm really? a little yeah, so a bit nervous. So hopefully you'll um allow me a little bit of grace. But um, yeah, thank you so much. Well, it's,
11: it's more of a yarn than an interview, isn't
5: it. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so maybe I thought we would start off with your latest album, um, and new show called Circling Time. And as I was listening to it, it it was just so beautiful and soulful, and it was also predominantly recorded in lockdown. So I was also wondering, what was it like recording this album and telling your story during COVID?
11: It was interesting because, uh, obviously, we recorded down in South Gippsland in a place called Woolamai, which is, for people who don't know, it's near Wontaggy, uh, in South Gippsland. Uh, me and uh, my wife and uh, family lived down on Phillip Island. So, and, and I remember uh, there was a uh, what they were calling Ring of Steel, and she came through a place called Lang Lang on the South Gippsland Highway, and mm-hmm. uh, the police and and uh, they had a uh, roadblock, and if you uh, they, if they pulled you over and your license didn't have the address of, of let's say, one Tagi or Phillip Island, or they wouldn't let you through. So it was it was beautiful that uh, the restrictions in the regions in regional Victoria was different than the restrictions that were being enforced in inner city Melbourne, and so. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful that that we could go and record and keep uh keep recording and and uh externalizing what was going on internally uh, yeah. in reference to to the lyrics and songs and no it was it was difficult because uh it, it's a different way of life now you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and but how are you? How are you feeling? You know, after two years of sort of being nailed to the floor, so to speak. You
5: know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Yes, so to speak. I think I've been doing it okay. Um, I think it's just about uh, like taking care of yourself and your community, and making sure mm. that you find little joys in every day. I feel like I've. Develop little rituals, like at the end of my night, I have a little peppermint tea. And if I switch it up and I end up having like a lemon and ginger, I'm like, "What's happening?" <laughs> um, yeah,
11: and you do. You have to. You have to uh, adjust. You have to. yeah Sort of. Yeah. Have to be grateful for what you have, not what you don't have.
1: Absolutely. You know what I mean?
11: Yeah, and it's it's a it's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh. But you're exactly right in as in the fact that uh, yeah you've got to protect our most vulnerable too, meaning meaning our elderly and our kids. You know.
5: Yeah, and I also think that you know in part of community and um, with all the change, I think maybe that's why the song that really stood out to me on your album was "The More Things Change," that we did play just earlier, and it's. A gorgeous melody, and um, it just really made me smile the whole time that I was listening to it. But there was a lyric in the song that really resonated with me, and it said, Sick and tired of running in circles, sick and tired of having to explain, the more things change. Would you mind maybe speaking on what this lyric and maybe the song means to you?
11: Yeah, was. I was at a performance... Uh, Was a benefit concert at the Tote. Oh, it would have been three, three years ago, I think. Mm
1: -hmm.
11: Or two years ago. What are we in? 21. I think it might have been 2000, end of 2018. I think it might have been. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was for for a, a pioneer of of the Aboriginal music scene, not only here in Victoria but around Australia, A uh, bloke by the name of or a brother by the name of peter Rodham, a very very well respected senior songman or yeah and and it was and I was sit, sitting with a, a cousin and uh, we were talking about uh, things need to change, things need to evolve for for yeah well, back in the day uh, and this is in a in a uh, uh not a medical well Aboriginal people weren't allowed her in hospitals they couldn't just walk in the hospitals back in the day, and things have changed but um uh you had to ask the head matron whether you could walk into a hospital and then she would give you permission or so forth and 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 People like Arnie Thorpe and her mother Arnie Edna, Edna Brown and all the senior elders said, "No, we've got to create our own uh, our own health services so that we That's
5: can it. service
11: our yeah so that we can service our community." And and things evolved over the journey. And Aboriginal organisations uh, there would have been at least twenty Aboriginal organisations in Fitzroy. You're flat out finding one in Fitzroy now because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the community's been dispersed and we're heading out towards, towards North, getting Preston and Reservoir and Epping and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the mob are heading out towards Mernda and South Morang and, and things change. Uh, the, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And that's in a, in a, I suppose everybody sort of understands that ideology but yeah if 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 nothing well evolution is about change and uh, you know our our uh, our dietary you know that 's why a lot of aboriginal people who have uh, uh, uh diabetes because what has it been only two two hundred and thirty something years of of uh sugar we didn't have sugar we had natural uh Natural sugars in in our diet, and now yeah, a lot of us carry diabetes and heart problems and respiratory problems, and yeah, them, that's what that's what that's referring to. In is, if, if things don't change, they'll they'll never change. You know? yeah. So we have yeah.
5: Yeah, I think being able to um, express that things do need to change and connecting, like building your own spaces away. From the center um, is oh. beautiful and so important, particularly in music and arts and I think good art is inherently political and i 'm sure lots of our listeners would also agree, but um, yeah. I feel like often those who have been historically excluded or subjected to ongoing state violence may feel like have may feel like the political label is just pushed onto them by the virtue of them existing and making music. Um, yeah. I think. What would you say to people that think that politics should be separate from art?
11: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm of, of that age, you know, as is that uh, I was born before the referendum mm-hmm. in 1967, so I was born not a citizen uh, in the eye of of the oppressor. Yep. And and so uh, when that that when that you wake up to that and you walk past, you know, the mirror every morning or you, you, you go and wash your face, you know, and you look at yourself and you think to yourself, well, prior to 1788, this is the person, yeah, you know, the, the person in the mirror and the colour of the person in the mirror was all it was.
1: Mm-hmm.
11: And then 200 and, you know, or how many ever years later a question is posed to non-Aboriginal Australia, white Australia, pertaining to Aboriginal people, should we let them become us? The question should have been posed to us. Do you want to become them? Or do you want to become us? Uh, But it was posed to non-Aboriginal Australia. And and what, we are supposed to be thankful for that? No, we want our, our sovereignty... We need our sovereignty and so p- politics plays a big part, uh, in the psyche of adult, uh, adult Aborigines, but it doesn't play any part in the psyche of a kid. Mm-hmm. The kids don't understand politics until it's, till they become adults themselves and they can decide whether they want to fit in or want to remain sovereign. And so yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a dynamic that and that was the sad part. A lot a lot of uh and this is this is not to be disrespectful, a lot of the lighter complexioned aborigines who were taken away, uh they don't know that they're Aboriginal until it's you know, maybe get a DNA test or Mm-hmm. So they live. They live under the radar. They live separate from community, and that was the purpose of the assimilation policy: was for those those members of our community to be lost to the cause and, and the politics, and never, never to uh, never to mention about their Aboriginality because they didn't know. Yep. But um. All we want is for them to come home and and they will be embraced by the mob, you know.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's obviously been such a devastating um, experience that ongoing colonisation still exists. (laughs) And I, you know, being able to have music and community and art and be able to tell stories um, is such a, beautiful thing to be able to share um, within your community and also outside. But um, yeah. I think I also want to maybe go back a little bit because I know that yeah. um, in previous interviews you've also stated that you were in choirs in primary school <laughs> and you loved yeah. it yeah. and you fell into music and obviously now it's such, it's such a big part of you being such a prolific songman. And what do you yeah. think really drew you to music?
11: Uh yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It goes beyond, I think it goes beyond my intellect. I think I was bestowed this role, this position by my ancestry. I think I don't, I didn't have a say in it, to be honest. It was, it was, yeah, I think it, uh, it depends on your belief systems in as and because uh, if you really try and pinpoint the the moment, there is no moment yeah uh, so my intellect has yeah I believe that my role in in what it is that not only makes me who I am but what I am was yep. instilled in me by my ancestry
1: yeah
11: and so yeah it's it's I don't know uh, sometimes as aborigines we 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 find the answer even before the question is posed
1: yeah.
11: I, don't know, I don't know if i if i'm if it's making sense to the listener there but uh I think yeah my destiny was was predetermined, i believe yep,
5: yeah. I think um being able to i think I really love that being able to have not have the answer, Um, I think just means that you can follow what feels right um, and be able to find, almost like find yourself and connect with um, whatever it is in the process. And I think uh, also with your uh, show, which is tomorrow at the Brunswick Ballroom, um, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit uh, about the show? Is it um, your first show since lockdown uh, being Uh... open?
11: uh no i was i was given uh the i was given the honor to uh perform because the region has got the opportunity before uh, the city to yep. uh uh through via via uh creative victoria uh, which is obviously the Old uh, Arts Victoria, and and they sanctioned uh, some shows in the regions, mm-hmm. and I did a show down at uh, Archie's Creek Pub, uh, which is the new Caravan Club, yeah, uh, or the old Caravan, the new Caravan Club, yep.
1: <laughs> uh,
11: But um, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I did a show down there, but this is this is for the mob in the city, and and see when when I did the show down at Archie's Creek there. I don't think there was there was one known other Aboriginal person in the audience. But this is so that the mob uh the mob can see me perform again and, mm-hmm. and then obviously it all, all heats up in the new year when it opens up even more and uh, you know, shared a spirit concert at, at uh, my music bowl mm-hmm. on on the day that uh, unsettles the spirits, uh, the 26th of January, and uh, but but what what that is about the 26th as well is is just coming together. But mm. on tomorrow night uh, is uh, with Cat C. Seeway Wong, a new keyboard player, uh, uh, on uh, and Scotty Wilson, and and uh, we're calling in. Old brother Tim Matthews to play on bass and, yeah, so it's, it's, I think, I think I'm really sort of looking forward to tomorrow evening. Yep. It's not the, it's not the late show, it's the, the show from, I think, six o'clock or yep. six thirty, six thirty to eight thirty or something like that. But, um, yep. yeah, if you, anybody's thinking of coming in, please do and, the mandates now, uh, uh, suggest, and this is not coming from me. This is coming from the, the powers that be that uh, anybody who wants to attend has mm-hmm. to, uh, has to uh, be double vaxxed and Yep. And, uh, I adhere to the COVID protocols. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I'm just glad to be doing it again, you know.
5: Yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody's really excited to be able to see you again and be, for you to be able to perform. And yeah, uh, I just want to thank you for being so, uh, sweet <laughs> and accommodating. Um, and yeah. I'm really, uh, yeah, thankful that you were able to join us here to, this morning.
11: Thank you, Inez, and thank you to 3CR, long-time, um, yeah, friends of, of mine. Uh, truly, yeah, a great radio station and no strings attached, which is important.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Hope you have a very good rest of your day. And, uh, yep, yeah, thank you.
11: Toodaloo. Bye-bye.
5: That was an interview with Kutcher Edwards and tickets to Kutcher Edwards' show on the Brunswick Ballroom on Friday the 17th of December are still available. Please grab your tickets through Mosh Tix. I'm sure it'll be a show that you don't want to miss. And thank you so much for joining us again here today on Thursday Breakfast on 3CR, 855 AM.
12: Get your radical summer attire sorted. New stock of 3CR Radical Radio Teeth has just landed featuring the iconic antenna design by artist Emily Floyd. As well as our basic black, we have a range of great pastel and primary colours in a variety of sizes. And for those radical little people, we have a short run of kids' teas available too. For just $30 for adults or $20 for kids, you can get yourself a local, ethically manufactured and printed tea that supports radical community radio. We can send one out in the post, And there's Click & Collect from our studios at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or if you're fully vaxxed, you can drop in and browse our t-shirt rack during business hours. To purchase online, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop.
4: You're listening to Thursday Morning Breakfast on 3CR 855 AM, and we're going to go to our final interview for the day, which is being conducted by the wonderful Malika, who is unfortunately not with us in studio, but is with us over the phone. So I'll hand over to you to introduce. Malika, are
13: you there? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah,
4: perfect. Oh,
13: definitely feels a bit weird. Um, But yeah, thanks for letting me join in. Um, From outside the studio, we are going to be speaking with the awesome Dylan O'Hara from the Vixen Collective, and they are joining us this morning to speak about the Rally Tomorrow for the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. Good morning, Dylan. Are you there as well?
14: I am. Good morning.
13: Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning through the airwaves. Um, I guess as a starting point, could you just share with listeners a bit about who are the Vixen
14: Collective? Yeah, for sure. So, Dixon is Victoria's peer sex worker organisation. So, if I'm sounding a bit strange, it's because I'm getting a big echo of everything I'm saying.
4: Um,
14: So, hopefully, that will go away. Um, Yeah. So, so we're Victoria's peer sex worker organisation, and what that means is that we are 100% by and for sex workers. Um, We're all sex workers, past or present, um, and our work ranges from advocacy and activism, um, and various kinds of organising around sex workers' rights issues, through to um, peer support and peer education. Um, we have a peer support line um, for sex workers, um, and yes, yeah, so we we did lots of stuff.
13: Yes, yeah. and so tomorrow's, also, um, which is December the seventeenth, marks the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. Could you share a little bit about the history and significance of this day?
14: Yeah for sure. So um international dating and violence uh, violence against sex workers was first observed in two thousand and three, I believe. Um, and it started actually as a as a memorial and I guess a, a vigil for the victims of the Green River Killer in Seattle, um, Washington in the US. Um but it's it's evolved since then into really an international annual event for sex workers. Um I guess it's a it's a day where we recognize and draw attention to um and speak out against the violence that is enacted against um against our communities. Um and, and also the systems um that enable that violence. So, you know, in particular um the criminalization of our work, um of us, um, you know, but also other kinds of um you know, other other oppressions that enable that violence and are also violence against sex workers. So, you know, ongoing genocide and colonization, um border regimes, um, you know, criminalisation of people using drugs, um, uh, you know, a, a wide range of things. So, I mean, it's it's a day to, to mourn, um, but also, I think, to recognise the strength of our community, um, and, and it's a call to action as well.
13: Yeah. It, it sounds like it recognises the various forms of violence experienced by sex workers um, from the system and but also at that time, like you said, recognize the strength, but also acknowledges the deep loss in the community as well. Um, so the Vixen Collective has organized a rally for the International Day to Violence Against Sex Workers, and it's going to start tomorrow um, at 4 p.m. outside the State Library of Victoria. What can people who attend expect from the event?
14: Um, sorry just trying to fix my fix my mic. Um, hopefully that's better now. Um, yeah, so um, we've we've got some fantastic speakers, um, all sex workers, of course. Um, so uh, anyone who comes along is going to hear some yeah some some fantastic speakers um, talking about a, a range of things. It's going to be um, really exciting. Um, you'll see uh, some red umbrellas, some great sex workers' rights slogans. Um, Sex workers always have the best slogans and the best signs and banners in my, in my very biased opinion. Um, but you know, this has been a really, um, it's been a really devastating, um, couple of years, um, you know, I guess for, for everybody, but, um, but for sex workers in Victoria in some quite specific ways. Um, and, and it's also at the same time, I think been a, you know, a, a time of really huge achievement and strength, um, yeah. you know, for, for our community. So I, I think this is a, this is kind of a chance for us to get, you know, to get off. To get off endless Zoom calls, um, to get <laughs> to get onto the street, which we haven't been able to do um, for for a couple of years, um, and and make some noise, you know, together as a community. Um, but you know, also with our with our supporters, our allies, um, friends, lovers, anyone who stands in solidarity with with, with us as sex workers um, and supports our rights. No, that um,
13: sounds like a yeah. yeah. No, sorry to cut you off there, Dylan.
14: No, please please continue.
13: Oh, I was just going to say, it sounds like a really uplifting and exciting event for people that are able to attend tomorrow. And I guess, like, just touching on the point you mentioned earlier about it being a particular time, particularly difficult time for sex workers in Victoria, the Victorian government was working on the Sex Work Decriminalization Bill 2021, and it did miss the mark on several different points. Do you have any updates on the organising Vixen Collective has been doing around this?
14: Yeah, so, I mean, we've been, we've been continuing to, um, you know, I guess to advocate really hard for the, the bill to, to pass with the amendments that sex workers are calling for. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, as, as I've, I think we've discussed on on the show at, at least once in the past few months, before you know, this is a huge it's a huge achievement for our community um, to have gotten this far. It's a really fantastic positive step forward from the Andrews government. Um, you know, mm-hmm. really I think showing that they have listened to sex workers. But but at the same time, as you say, there are some there are some areas in the bill that really do need to be strengthened to ensure that this is full decrim. You know that it doesn't repeat um, mistakes that have been made in other jurisdictions, and that it doesn't um, it doesn't leave any sex workers behind. So it's really crucial that um, all sex workers can, you know, en- enjoy the, the benefits of decriminalisation, not just some of us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, we don't want any anybody in our community to be left behind. Um, And we don't want, you know, we don't want 99% of decriminalisation. We want the whole thing. Um, I think Victorian sex workers have been really clear about that. And so um, something that we've been doing and that, um, you know, sex workers in Victoria and our our supporters have been doing is um, contacting our local Labour and crossbench MPs um, and letting them know how urgent full decriminalisation is, um, you know, why we support it. Um and, and why it's so important that, that the bill passes um with with the amendments that sex workers are calling for. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the bill has um it's it's gone through the um the lower house. Um, you know, it will it will be in the um you know, in the upper house uh, you know, hopefully as soon as possible next year. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's gonna be really important when that happens that we yeah, that we do see um that we do see it pass with those amendments that we're calling for. Yeah.
13: Like you said, it's one step forward, which is really wonderful, but also just making sure no one is left behind, like you said. And um, I also really like that on the Riksdale Collective website, they also had a bit of a step step-by-step guide on how to contact your local MPs, advocate for those changes. So definitely check out the website if you were wanting to follow up on that. And how can people join in tomorrow but also stay on top of and support the work Vixen Collective is doing?
14: yeah so um thanks, thanks for asking so um for, for tomorrow um I mean, just just show up is the is the <laughs> is the number one thing that people can do would be fantastic um and uh you know red is the is kind of the international colour of sex workers' rights movement, so um I won't be wearing red because I'm a terrible person who wears black all the time but um <laughs> but if you if you own lots of red clothing or some red clothing, can pop that on if you have a red umbrella. Um, that's, you know, the red umbrella is of course a really important symbol of the sex workers' rights movement and is um, often often on show on International Day to end violence against sex workers, so bring that along. Um, and, you know, if you're not a sex worker and you're coming along, I guess just, um, you know, come with, with, with open ears and an open heart and uh, listen, you yeah. know, for, for what you can do to support our community. Um, and to, to, amplify, uh, you know, amplify our calls and to show your solidarity. Um, if, if, you're a sex worker, um, and you come along, then, um, it will be wonderful to see you there. Um, and in terms of keeping on, tra- uh, on top of what we're doing, um, probably the easiest way is to follow Vixen on Twitter. So it's just, um, at Vixen Collective, um, to keep an eye on our website. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're always, we're always there at the, at the other end of an email if you want to get in touch mm-hmm. as well.
13: Oh, sounds so lovely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dylan, and kind of sharing a bit more about the significance of this day, but also what people can expect um, when they do attend the rally tomorrow. Thank you so much.
14: Thanks very much for having me on. No problem.
13: Um, we, you're listening to 3CI 855 AM and we were just speaking with Dylan O'Hara from the Vixen Collective and they joined us to speak about the rally which is running tomorrow, um, at 4 PM in front of the State Library of Victoria and this is in honor of International Day to End
4: Violence Against Sex Workers. Thanks so Back much, Monica. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, and it's also great to have you here. Do you want to say anything to the listeners for our last live show for the year?
13: Oh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening and joining in every Thursday morning and also shout out to the crew, Rosie, Priya, Inez and also Carly for showing me the ropes this year. This is my first year on Thursday breakfast, but yeah.
4: And we're going to have to take you off now, but okay. uh, good to Thanks, speak everyone. To you. All right. Uh, That's just one of the little technical difficulties that happens when you have two people on the phone at once and you can't mute one without meeting the other. So uh, just another little bit of excitement from Thursday Morning Breakfast.
12: Get your radical summer attire sorted. New stock of 3CR Radical Radio tees has just landed, featuring the iconic antenna design by artist Emily Floyd, as well as our basic black. We have a range of great pastel and primary colours in a variety of sizes. And for those radical little people, we have a short run of kids' teas available too. For just $30 for adults or $20 for kids, you can get yourself a local, ethically manufactured and printed tea that supports radical community radio. We can send one out in the post, and there's click and collect from our studios at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or if you're fully vaxxed, You can drop in and browse our T-shirt rack during business hours. To purchase online, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop.
4: And we are coming up to time at the end of our final live show for 2021 on Thursday morning breakfast.
0: Woohoo! So let's do a quick rundown of what we heard today. So first up, we heard part of City Limits' show from yesterday, where Zeb and Kevin caught up with Shane from Housing for the Aged Action Group for a final update on housing justice issues in Victoria and nationally for 2021. And just a reminder that you can catch City Limits on 3CR between 9 and 10 a.m. on Wednesdays and listen back to past episodes at 3cr.org.au forward slash city limits. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I'm going (laughs) to... (laughs)
4: <laughs> oh, and afterwards, uh, after that, we heard from Ronnie Careni, a Canberra-based West Papuan activist, musician, and a youth worker who joined us to discuss the West Papuan fight for self-determination 60 years after the first raising of the Star flag, and to speak about the grand opening online of the West Papua Solidari- Solidarity Gallery on the 20th of December. I've messed that up every single time I've it's said true. that today, <laughs> uh, there's not one time where I've got it right. And you can listen to the voice of West Papua, uh, which Ronnie is also on on 3CR 855 a.m. Tuesdays from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. And get tickets to that grand opening by looking up West Papua Solidarity Gallery on uh, humanitix.com.
5: And then we were joined by the very sweet <laughs> Kucha Edwards, who is a proud Mooney Mooney man, a multi-award winning singer and song man, advocate and fellow 3CR host with Vicky Roach of 20 years on the inside. And have a, l- a listen back to this uh, after we are done don't know why I
0: said that. (laughs) And I think also Kutcher's got a show as well coming up tomorrow night. And finally, we heard from Dylan O'Hara from Vixen Collective joining us to discuss the rally that's taking place tomorrow, the 17th of December, outside the State Library.
4: That's all we've got time for today. And we'll catch you live next year, but summer programming going on for the next four weeks. See you, folks. 3CR Breakfast
2: would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street Carlton. And while you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au